Jasper, I think you're going to need more hummus and definitely more guacamole. And one quiche, one quiche for an entire bunga bunga party. You're going to need more snacks. Hello, gorgeous creep. It is I, piano teeth, skinless storyteller and deranged voice inside your head. And you keep coming back to me. Thank you. I'm not going to go into details of what's going on. We're at part three, so if you haven't listened to the other two, then leave now and don't come back until you have. Should be ashamed of yourself. If this is the first time you found yourself with me between your ears, then please go back to the start and acquaint yourself with whatever the hell is going on here. This ain't Kansas, Dorothy. Take the ruby slippers and run. You caught me commenting on Jasper's buffet. It's his annual Bunga Bunga party tonight, and whilst his decor and Silvio Berlusconi outfit are good, his spread is somewhat to be desired. All I'm saying is that a bowl of sausage rolls and a keg of Ringwood Best doesn't quite get the senses alight. You need more sexy food, Jasper. Hummus isn't sexy. You need tzatziki, taramasalata, baba ganoush, See? Look at you stirring just at the name. Baba ganoush, it's enough, isn't it? Imagine eating it. Hmm? Imagine eating some baba ganoush. Now imagine eating some baba ganoush at a sex party, whilst people make love at your feet. Hmm? Baba ganoush. Baba ganoush. Ba-ba-ga-noosh. That's right. Don't worry, you've got time. I'll just crack on with this and you can nip out. Get some baba ganoush. Don't worry about it. Go on, off you go. All right, quick advert. Let's have a look. What have we got here? What have we got here? Ooh, what is this shit? Do you want... Make sure you... Limited time. Oh my God. Do you know what? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. There are adverts and there are adverts. And this, this is disgusting, vile. I'm not going to say those words. Those words are not coming out of my mouth. I'm just going to let you imagine what it possibly could be. And I mean, it's not going to be too much of a stretch, is it? No advertising company is really pushing the frontiers of one's imagination. But, you know, just go out and buy something. Keep capitalism happy. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what society is here for. Trying to keep capitalism from turning on us. So just go and buy things. And I think that'll do. For now? Yes. Okay, let's get on with it, shall we? My eyes are rolling into the back of my head. The bleach is kicking in and I want to get this party started. Here is... Part three of Billy Piper, Dimension Stepper. Previously on Billy Piper, Dimension Stepper. 
taxi driver and generic northerner Keeley was enjoying a tuna sandwich and daydreaming of turning Japanesey before she found herself confronted by a wounded Billy Piper, pointing a gun at her. Keeley, being a Billy Piper fan, agrees to help her. After being attacked by and then killing Noel Edmonds, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, Keeley and Billy make their way to Stonehenge, where Billy reveals that she is an alien sent to Earth to defeat the Karkini, an evil race from outer space disguised as celebrities that rule an empire of planets. Arriving at Stonehenge, they discover a horde of famous people, led by Alan Carr, waiting for them. Turning back, they are then ambushed by comedians David Baddiel and Frank Skinner, who try and crowbar in an awful joke, only to be saved by Bev and Meave, a pair of druids sent to help Billy and now in the car with them, taking them to Stonehenge. Here we go. Keeley drove away from the visitor center along some dark winding country lanes, as directed by Bev to avoid the main road. There was silence in the cab and she looked in her rearview mirror at the two druids sat in the back, weapons on their laps. They caught her eye and smiled. Next to her, Billy Piper lit a cigarette and checked her handgun. The air was filled with so many questions until Keeley couldn't take it anymore and finally blurted out, So what's the deal then? Between you and these druids, what's going on? The druids and dimension steppers have been working together for millennia, Bev answered. When the Karkany first came, the druids stood up to them, fought it, trying to remind people that, you know, they were part of the earth, wild, but it were no use. Soon there's only a few left, and they realized that if they were going to survive, they'd have to keep shtum, so they toned down the warrior element of it, and after a bit, we were just thought of as drum-banging hippies. A joke, you know? And so we got left alone. But we kept it alive, amongst us, and passed it down through the years. Then this one showed up. She pointed at Billy and gave us the portal to look after. We've kept it hidden ever since. Keeley sat back in her chair. Her head couldn't take any more. She thought about how much everything had changed since she stopped for her tuna sandwich in her usual spot how the entire world had turned upside down, how she had found out that aliens were not only real, but had subjugated humanity, throwing Noel Edmonds off a bridge, running over Philip Schofield, battering Stephen Fry to death, shitting herself, and discovering that Billy Piper was not Billy Piper. But... She was now in a taxi with Billy Piper and a pair of druids on their way to who knows where to do who knows what. She grabbed a cigarette out of Billy Piper's hand. Because you would, wouldn't you? They came to a crossroads with a steep chalk hill in front of them. Keep going straight on, said Meave. I can't. There's no road. Trust us. Just keep on going, said Bev. Keeley hesitated. Don't worry, Keeley. Do what they say. Just do it. Just keep going, Billy reassured her. Tentatively, Keeley drove the taxi forward, 
Keep going. Keep going, Billy said, sensing her unease. Keeley grimaced and looked away from the inevitable crash as the hill loomed large above. But instead, at the last moment, the ground opened. The hill tore itself upwards like a huge muddy mouth that swallowed the taxi and shut itself as soon as they were inside. It went completely dark. So dark, Keeley couldn't see her own hands let alone anyone else in the car. Are we dead? she asked. Bev and Meave giggled in the back. Keeley put the light on, inside the car, illuminating everyone. What the fuck? Billy laughed. I know, I know. Mad shit. Mad pagan shit. Did you know that were going to happen? No idea, no. But sometimes, you know, you just, you just got to go with it, Keeley. There was nothing but darkness all around, and Keeley felt like they were underwater. She switched on the headlamps to reveal nothing but tightly packed mud ahead. Well, now what? Just keep going, said Meave. And with a resigned shrug, Keeley put the car in first and tentatively put her foot down. To her amazement, the car moved forward, the earth opening up and closing just behind them. You can go faster, said Bev. It's only going one way. And Keeley did so, accelerating the car through the vast layers of soil and stone until, with a thundering, belching gasp, the ground opened up once more and the hill birthed them out into the world. Blinking and breathing, Keeley gripped the steering wheel, trying to hold on to some semblance of reality. Not for the first time, she felt very out of her depth. They had come out in the middle of Stonehenge. The ancient rocks loomed high above and stood all around looking at them smiling and waving were rows and rows of druids. Billy grinned, taking in the spectacle as men and women of all ages, colours, shapes and sizes dressed in white robes stood in rings all around them. More and more were joining. Meave leaned in. They're here for you, my dear. You better get out and say hello. They got out of the taxi and immediately Billy was greeted by a huge barrel of a man. He wore the white druid robes, but was adorned with a red sash around his shoulders. On either end were two golden dragons, upright and facing each other. In one hand he held a staff, its hefty shaft leading to a spherical orb on the end of it. He had a long beard, twinkly eyes and an infectious smile. Greetings, Billy Piper. My name is Arthur Pendragon, Chief of the Druids. And can I just say, on behalf of all of us here, it's bloody brilliant to see you. The rest of the Druids gave an almighty cheer. He looked at Keeley. And who's this? I'm Keeley. And I'm just, uh, she's my companion. 
and I wouldn't have made it here without her, said Billy. Welcome, Keeley, boomed a beaming Earther Pendragon, and as he bundled her up in a delicious bear hug, the rest of the druids cheered her too. Tears welled up in Keeley's eyes. Billy interrupted the moment, not because she was a spiteful bitch, but because she was focused on saving the world, okay? Look, I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but we don't have time. If I can get this Solodex away, this is our last chance against the Carcany. We're here for you, Billy Piper. What needs to be done? There's a horde of Carcany at the portal. Too many for me and Keeley to get through. If we can draw them here, then me and Keeley can drive back, through the hill, get to the portal, take the Solodex and save the motherfucking universe. Earther Pendragon nodded. All right, sounds like a plan. You're on. Let's get these stones lit up, activate the runes and all that jazz, get some ancient magic in our bodies, because looks like we're going to have one hell of a scrap mush. <laughs> Love it. Billy nodded along. We'll need a sacrifice. She pointed to a flat rock in the middle, laying on its side. For the altar stone. Earther grinned. I think we've got just the ticket. We caught one of them skulking round here earlier. Get that carcany bastard here. There was a commotion, and Keeley looked through where the crowd parted to see Noel Fielding being brought forward, snarling and hissing, his hands and feet in chains, flanked by four humongous druids. He wore a silver jumpsuit and rainbow heels with a wide-brimmed hat. He no longer tried to hide who he really was, and as he turned to look at Keeley, her stomach jumped at the sight of his deep, black eyes and bared fangs. You won't win, Billy Piper, Noel spat. Do you really think you and this sad bunch of badly dressed tree huggers are going to be able to take on the might of the Carcany Empire? Oh, just shut up, said Billy. She didn't have anything against Noel Fielding per se. Just like all of us, she wanted to get on with it and so didn't really want to waste any time or energy talking to someone that, quite frankly, she was about to kill. You know? You're fucked in the head. You're all fucked in the head. Noel screamed as he was laying down on the rock. This is an outrage. The chains that bound his hands and legs were pulled outwards, spreading him across the rock face like a sequined starfish. Is it, is Noel Fielding really getting sacrificed? Keeley asked. Yeah, we're pagan, Keeley. But it's not Noel Fielding, remember? It's a carcany in the form of Noel Fielding. It's absolutely not Noel Fielding, all right? Bev answered before turning her attention to Billy Piper, who raised her sword and shouted, We can do what we want to do. We can do anything. Free to be who we want to be. Just tell yourself, you can do it. Before plunging the blade into Noel Fielding's chest. Keeley winced as he howled, dark eyes wide with fury and amazement at the sword, runes glowing stuck in the middle of his body. His legs kicked out as he tried to reach for the blade, 
but the chains were pulled tight by the four druids, restraining the bucking bake-off host as Billy twisted the blade round. As Noel Fielding lay limp, the slab below him began to glow, red and gold, with the same symbols etched on the sword. Billy pulled it free, holding it above her head. The earth breathed as the sunlight hit it, and beams of light shot from the sword and onto the stones, illuminating them. They began to glow with that same golden aura. Shapes appeared in the rocks, symbols hidden for thousands of years, now burned on the surface, as if carved by fire. The stones began to ring, with a low-pitch hum, as more symbols appeared. The druids hummed as well. Those nearest placed their hands on the rocks, and were immediately filled with the golden light of sunrise. Others put their hands on them, and then others on them, and as each connected to the other, the runes burned fiercer, and the humming grew louder. Keely watched in awe. Not being a druid or at all au fait with whatever was going on made it hard to join in. But then Bev took hold of her hand, and immediately she felt a warmth flood through her bones, a crackling, fizzing, electric buzz that spread itself across her body. Her skin glowed gold. Grab hold of Billy's foot, Bev muttered, and shut your eyes. And when Keely did so, closing her eyes and grabbing Billy's filthy trainer, the connection was complete. The stones burned brighter, and the hum grew louder. Keely realized that Billy had dog shit all over her shoe. She was about to wipe her hand clean, but a sudden pulse of energy shot through her arm. It ran its way round her body, coursing through her veins and bouncing round her bones. And in that moment, they were one. Her, Billy Piper, the druids and the rocks. She shut her eyes, and in her mind saw those same symbols that were etched on the blade, on the stones. And she now knew what they meant, and smiled as she felt the breath begin in all of them, felt their bodies rise like the beat of a heart, and felt the song come to all of their lips, fully formed and clear as day. Because we want to, because we want to, they chanted, over and over again, lifting their heads up to feel the sun's rays on their faces. Because we want to, because we want to. Louder and louder they chanted. Keely felt the land humming along with them. The earth boomed beneath their feet. And, as suddenly as they'd started, they stopped, allowing themselves to stand firmly in the echoes of magic they'd conjured together. Keely opened her eyes to be met by the smiling faces of Eartha Pendragon, Bev, Meave, and Billy Piper, sword in hand beaming down from atop the rock. She then looked at Noel Fielding's dead face, and that did kill the vibe a little bit. So she looked back at Billy Piper, 
holding a glowing sword above her head, hair billowing in the wind, looking majestic as fuck. And that did very much reinstate the vibe. Billy Piper looked out at the crowd assembled amongst the stones. They stood strong, imbued with a new energy, a new power. But the battle was yet to be fought, and seeing their eager, expectant faces staring up at her, she knew she had to say something. My friends, it is now time for us to face the Carcany. The journey has been long, but here we are. I am tired of running and hiding. It's time to fight. We have the sacred words of Tamazin coursing through our veins, and I don't need to tell you what that means. Keely actually did need to be told what it meant, because she had no idea and was very confused. But she decided not to raise the point, not in front of the druids who, clearly knowing what it meant, were roaring their approval. It was not the time. Billy continued. Know their power. Feel their strength. Take courage as we stand together as one in the sunrise of a new day, a new dawn, a new era. Our bravery, here and now, will move through space and time and be heard by our brothers and sisters on other planets, in other galaxies. What we do in life, Echoes through eternity. The druids roared in response. Billy punched the air and roared too. Not a bad speech, bearing in mind she'd just made it up there and then. Yes, she quoted Russell Crowe in Gladiator at the end, but no one seemed to mind. And if you're going to steal, meh, steal from the best. A horn sounded in the distance, and Billy looked up to see the carcany charging towards them. The druids sprang into action, forming themselves into a defensive line around Stonehenge, brandishing swords, spears, pikes, clubs, and axes. Archers climbed to the top of the stones, readying their bows. Keeley wondered why everyone was using medieval weaponry. Seemed backwards, but now was not the time. She saw Billy stood at the front of the line, facing the oncoming horde of celebs. Keeley went to go and join her. No, said Billy. Stay by the car. I'm not afraid, Billy Piper. I know you're not, but once we've drawn them in, I need you to drive me. Please, go and stand by the taxi. I can't afford to lose you. Nodding, Keeley went over to the taxi. Meave had pushed Noel Fielding's body off the centre slab and was stood on it. She called to Keeley and gave her a crossbow. Do you know how to use one of these? Keeley shook her head. It's easy. Just point at the bastard, shoot, reload, shoot another bastard. Right, said Keeley, handling the weapon and wondering how the... Fuck, she'd ended up here. The centre slab gave her an elevated 360-degree view of the battlefield, and Keeley looked on, as bristling with blades and bravery, the druids waited for their famous foe as they pounded over the plain. 
Idris Elba was at their head, and as they reached the stones, the Karkany mob split, surrounding the druids. Idris stepped forward, eyes black and fangs bared. In one hand, he held a double-headed axe. Its shaft was ebony black, with a fiery spiral adorning it. He pointed the axe at Billy and shouted, Listen, I'll only say this once. Give up the dimension stepper and the rest of you go free. You will not be armed. I promise you. We only want Billy Piper. Suck a bag of dicks. Arthur Pendragon shouted back. And as the druids jeered and laughed, an arrow was fired at Idris who dodged it, where it slammed into the eye of Claudia Winkleman. She fell to the floor, dead. Oh, good shot. Keeley said to Meave, who notched another arrow to her bow. What do you mean? I missed, Meave winked. Oh, that is cool. That's a cool thing to say. What do you mean? I missed. Love it. Like a movie. Idris Elba looked to Claudia Winkleman, then back to Billy Piper. He smiled, wolfishly, before raising his axe and screaming, Carcany! Attack! With high-pitched shrieks of delight, the Carcany descended upon the druids, weapons in hand, fangs bared, and eyes black. Immediately, a barrage of missiles were launched against them. Arrows, stones, javelins, all making their mark and sending the frontrunners to the ground, causing those behind to trip or leap over them. Billy faced the oncoming horde, shouting to those around her to hold the line, and heard the shout taken up by others all around the ring. The fear, adrenaline, and magic coursing through Billy brought everything into focus. Time seemed to slow down. The sword hummed in her hand. She felt the druids around her bracing themselves, saw the steam rise from their breath. She saw the mania and the hate in the eyes of the oncoming Karkany, and planting her feet in the earth, she lowered her head and leveled her blade. What a badass. All around her, the druids were holding off the first wave of Karkany and standing their ground. She saw Arthur Pendragon braining James Corden and Bev gutting Jack Whitehall. Arrows flew overhead, finding their targets and sending them to the ground. But still they came, and Billy had to check herself as the druid next to her was felled by Gary Lineker. She stabbed the affable football pundit in the back, pushing him off her blade as she spun round to meet Gabby Logan coming at her with an axe in each hand. Billy dodged, just in time as Gabby swung at her, and she felt cold steel tickling the air on her neck. Spinning round, she parried another blow before catching the shaft of the axe held in Gabby's other hand as she hammered it down. They were now locked together, and Billy pulled her head back as the TV presenter gnashed her fangs. Gabby Logan sank her teeth into Billy's shoulder hard, and laughed triumphantly as Billy cried out in pain. However, the victory fell from her face as she saw the wound begin to glow and heal itself. Magic, bitch, Billy said, 
before bringing her knee up hard between the cark and his legs. Billy finished her off, and as Gabby Logan fell to the floor, she grabbed her axe and flung it into the back of Shappy Corsandi, who was throttling a druid. It was carnage. But, despite the chaos, Billy had to admit, she was having fun, which is what it's all about, isn't it? Hmm? But she didn't have time to dwell, because Alistair Campbell had set himself on fire and was charging towards her, screaming like a banshee about mental health and not being a war criminal. Keeley watched as me fired arrow after arrow, pulling back the bow and selecting a target before the one before had found its mark. That crossbow won't fire itself, Meave said, without missing a beat. Keeley looked at the weapon in her hands. Just point, shoot, reload, repeat, Meave instructed, launching an arrow into Rick Edwards' chest. Keeley put the crossbow to her shoulder and looked out at the battlefield. She saw an enflambe Alistair Campbell charging towards Billy Piper. She locked him in her sights, pulled the trigger, and the bolt flew into his chest, propelling him backwards, where he finally shut the fuck up. Nice shot, Meave nodded appreciatively and Keeley felt a surge of pride as Billy turned and gave her a thumbs up. She reloaded the crossbow, lined up Martin Clunes, and shot him through the neck. She was getting the hang of this now, and when she focused on the fact that she was killing Carcany, and not the celebrities they presented themselves as, found the whole thing a lot easier. The druids had fought ferociously, and were still holding the line. However... Billy could see the time was not on their side. The Carcany greatly outnumbered them, and as Billy dispatched her umpteenth reality star dickhead, she could see the druids were tiring. Many of them had already fallen, and the magic was only so powerful and could only last so long. It would wear off at some point, and they would no longer be immune to the Carcany venom. Then it would be slaughter. As she pulled her sword out of a gibbering Jamie Lang, she heard Eartha Pendragon ordering the druids to fall back. They did so, taking advantage of a break in the fighting as the Carcany regrouped. They formed a new ring amongst the stones, readying themselves for the next wave of attack. Billy looked at the carnage of broken bodies and all their bits, scattered on the grass around. Laying next to the dead druids were so many famous faces, and not-so-famous faces, and faces that you recognized but couldn't put a name to them, and faces that Billy didn't recognize but assumed they were Carcany, or else why would they be here? A Hello Magazine red carpet event, this was not. But no matter how many had been slain, there was still plenty more to contend with. Too many, and everyone knew it. I think it's time you left, Billy Piper. She felt Eartha Pendragon's hand on her shoulder, turning her towards the taxi. There's... there's so many of them, she pointed at the carcany. Eartha grinned. Well, that's the point, no? I don't want to leave you.
You have to. Don't worry about us. You just get to that portal, Billy Piper. He gave her a big, warm, bare hug and ushered her into the car. You look after her, all right? He smiled at Keeley before wrapping her up in his arms as well. After saying heartfelt goodbyes to Bev and Meave, Keeley got in the taxi with Billy Piper. Just keep driving through the tunnel till you get to the other end. Magic will do the rest. Bev winked at them. I think you're all really great. Keeley called out the window to the druids. Especially you. She pointed at Meave. Proper cool. The ground opened up before them, and as Keeley started driving in, Billy gave a final salute to Eartha Pendragon, who nodded and bellowed, Why we gotta play that song so loud? Because we want to, because we want to, the rest of the druids replied, the chant continuing until the earth closed back up again, drowning them out. They were now in the tunnel, and wiping a tear from her cheek, Billy looked at Keeley, who nodded. Let's do this, Billy Piper. Back up by the stones, the druids continued their chant, strengthening their resolve as they looked out at the multitude of celebs, thirsting for blood. Idris Elba once more stepped forward, waiting for the druids to go quiet. Last chance, he called out to them. Give us Billy Piper and you can go free. You have my word. Eartha Pendragon stepped forward, throwing his arms out wide. Come and get her, you carcany bastards. The druids cheered and carried on chanting, Because we want to, because we want to. Idris Elba spat on the floor and pointing his axe straight at Eartha, yelled, Kill them all. The celebs advanced, cautiously. Although they far outnumbered the druids, there were still enough of them to do a lot of damage. And it's not particularly encouraging having to walk over a load of your dead mates to then go and fight the people that killed them, as they chant ancient pagan spells in the form of Billy Piper number ones. Arthur readied himself. This is it, my pagan brethren. Let's fuck them up. Proper job. The last stand of the druids had begun. The taxi came flying out the tunnel, and Keeley yanked on the wheel as she pulled the handbrake up, spinning the car round in the road as the earth closed up behind them. They weren't going the back way this time, and she put her foot down, hairing it down the main road, alongside the hill, towards the visitor's centre. They're dead brave, them druids, Keeley said as they raced along. The bravest, Billy said, lighting a fag. I've never seen something like that before. People sacrificing themselves like that. Have you? Yeah, once. When? On another planet. Some dwarves helped me get out of a mine by holding off an ice demon. They didn't make it, though. Keeley stared at her. What? So that's the second time that people have literally sacrificed their lives for you, Billy Piper. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is, Billy replied, puffing on her ciggy and readying her pistol. But, you know, you can't let it go to your head, Keeley. 
They were driving up the gravel track now, the visitor center coming into view. Billy looked at the sword. It had stopped glowing, which meant the magic was finished. They were no longer protected. She caught Keeley's eye, who nodded, knowing what this meant. So, what's the plan? Keeley asked, eager to see how this adventure was somehow going to wrap itself up. Because quite frankly, it had got very out of hand. Uh, get to the disabled toilet, activate the portal. Yeah, but how? Oh, I don't know. Just thought I'd sort of, you know, vibe it. Vibe it. Right. So what shall I do? Uh, just keep driving. Try not to die. And we'll see what happens. Sounds good, said Keeley, accelerating towards the glass walls of the cafe. There was no going back now and every single emotion one could possibly imagine having when driving at full speed towards a cafe filled with famous people that are actually aliens that will try and kill you to open a portal that will save the world after battling with some druids with Billy Piper sat next to you and you had no idea about any of this a few hours ago exploded out of Keeley's mouth in an almighty roar. Billy joined her and howling, the two warriors drove into battle one last time. Alan Carr, Sean Bean, and a bunch of other Carcanies sat in the cafe, waiting for any sign of Billy Piper. It had been a fairly long night, but Sandy Toxvig had kept them entertained by playing the spoons and singing some Danish folk songs. It was halfway through a rendition of Say, De Sexy Fjords Mit Hemland, did they hear the engine and the yelling. They looked out the window to see a very battered black cab with Billy Piper inside racing up the gravel track towards them. It was only after they realized that it was not going to stop did they then realize they should probably get out of the way. The taxi exploded through the glass walls of the cafe, spraying shards everywhere. Bullets flew as Billy fired at the celebs, scrambling to get away. Keeley was staring into the eyes of Sean Bean, who moments before had been sat down enjoying a hanky-panky pudding, but now found himself folded over a car bonnet. Busted, he managed to say, before he was crushed against the wall by the taxi which was now done for. Finished. Smoke poured from beneath the bonnet and the spluttering engine stopped. And you know what? That little taxi has done brilliantly in this story and deserves a round of applause for its silent, solid service. Go on, I'll wait. Keely extracted herself from the crumpled vehicle and in one movement pulled out the crossbow and shot Nish Kumar, who looked very impressed, as well as annoyed, because he was now dying. Billy leapt over the bonnet and battered body of Bean to join her, this way, she said, running over to the toilets. Keeley dropped the crossbow and picking up Nish's cutlass, sprinted after her. Lock the door, Billy shouted to Keeley 
as they skidded into the loo. Taking the Solidex out of her bag, she placed it in the toilet and flushed the chain. Holding the cistern, she closed her eyes and began chanting, Because we want to, because we want to, over and over. Once the loo was ready, she flushed again. Bloody hell, Keeley shouted. How many times you got to do that? Without pause, Billy held up ten fingers. Jesus, I'll just hold them off then, shall I? Quite frankly, this was bad planning on the Dimension Stepper's part. Keeley had no idea how magic space portals worked, but she was certain that if she were to design one, a quick getaway would be her top priority. She could hear the carcany outside, and already the door was shaking with the sound of wood splintering as one of them hit it with an axe. Billy threw her gun to Keeley, just as the axe came smashing through the door, ripping out great chunks of wood and tearing a hole in it. Sandy Toxvig pushed her head through. Here's Sandy, she cackled, reaching her hand through to unlock the door. Keeley shot her then carried on shooting, through the hole in the doorway at the shadowy shapes on the other side. The sky began to rumble and roar above, and Billy kept on chanting and flushing as a screaming Keeley fired, again and again and again, until the gun was empty, and there was nothing but the desperate click of an empty chamber. She threw the gun through the hole and heard someone say, Ow! You're fucked now, aren't you? said Alan Carr. The door, which had barely been holding on anyway, was wrenched off to reveal Alan, flanked by Connie Huck, David Beckham and the Gallagher brothers, their fangs bared and their eyes burning black. Without thinking, Keeley threw herself at the group, cutlass in hand. Immediately, she felt something slice into her leg. But she didn't stop. She just had to hold them off long enough for Billy to get away and lost herself in a red mist fury as she cut, punched, kicked and bit at the carcany who rained down blow after blow upon her. She felt her legs begin to buckle and her vision blurred, swiping wildly. It was only a matter of time before she was overwhelmed. Hurry up, Billy, she screamed. I can't hold them. Meanwhile, back at the stones, Meave was the last one standing and desperately fought off the carcany who surrounded her. Without the magic protection, the druids had been overwhelmed by the evil celebrities. Eartha Pendragon had fought ferociously, but was finally brought down by a howling pack of BBC News presenters, with Naga Manchetti delivering that final blow. Bev and Meave had rallied the last of the druids around them, putting their backs to the centre stone and forming a tight defensive circle, dispatching any carcany who dared come near. But fatigue set in, and soon they were taken out, one by one. Bev found herself confronted by a grinning Anton Deck. With a warrior's roar, she charged at the two, managing to take out Deck, but losing her own life in the process. Ant, seeing the life leave his co-presenter's eyes, screamed so loud it shook everyone's bones and briefly paused the battle. 
He grabbed his dagger, plunging it into his heart, and fell down next to Deck, holding him in a final embrace. As last stands go, this was pretty intense, and Meave was trying to drink it all in. She'd never been in a last stand before, and was doing her best to be in the present moment whilst simultaneously killing as many Karkany as she possibly could. She'd run out of arrows, and after braining Big Nasty with her bow, picked up Bev's sword and faced the crowd of celebs stood about her. They checked themselves. Although there was far more of them, she was dangerous and desperate. And, as the saying goes, don't attack a dangerous, desperate druid if you want to keep your bits. Or something like that. Come on, who's next? She laughed, tossing the sword from one hand to the other. I'm taking as many of you with me as I can. Enough of this. Idris came forward. Just tell us where Billy Piper is, and your death will be quick. Meave spat on the floor and grabbed her crotch. Suck my minge, dickhead. What is wrong with you? Enough already. You've lost. It's over. At that moment, as is often the case with stories, everyone's heads turned as there was a tremendous rumbling crash of thunder, followed by a howling crack of lightning that split the sky above the visitor's center. A beam of electric white light shot down from the grotesquely grey clouds where it hummed and crackled in the dawn. The portal, Idris growled, realising he'd been played. Ha-ha, no, said Meave. It's not over, not at all. You lot think that just because you've been on top all this time that you always will be. Well... Let me tell you. Blah! Idris Elba silenced her with a blow from his axe. He couldn't stand monologues. And don't be like that. Because Meave died. Just because you like her doesn't mean she gets to live. Besides, there's no time to waste here because in the disabled toilet, Keeley was dying. She'd been tackled to the floor by David Beckham, who had managed to sink his teeth into her shoulder, just before Keeley had punched her sword through the National Treasure's ribs. The carcany poison from multiple wounds was beginning to take hold, and, added to the various lacerations on her body, there was no doubt that Keeley was done for. Time slows down when you're dying and your moments stretch themselves out for as long as they possibly can. She could have just lain there. She did want to. At least, no one was stabbing her down here. But she could also see Alan Carr launching himself at Billy Piper with a knife, and Billy Piper hadn't yet opened her eyes to step into the portal. She wouldn't make it, and in that stretched-out split second, Keeley knew what was needed. Deep in the dark corners of her spirit, she summoned the last of her strength and forced herself upright, putting herself in front of Billy. She saw the look of confused fury on Alan's face as his knife went into her and not Billy Piper, followed by the look of horror as Keeley's sword went into him. Keeley smiled, looking down at the knife sticking out of her chest. She'd done it. Her friend was safe.
her legs gave way, and she was meant to fall to the floor, but instead felt the whole world begin to rush around her. She wanted to fall down, but something pulled her up into a white light that came from the sky. This must be what dying is, she thought to herself. Never having died before, didn't know what to expect. And not for the first time recently, Keeley felt completely out of her depth. But she was okay with it. Better to just accept it, she thought. And breathing a sigh of relief, Keeley closed her eyes and died. Keeley? Keeley? Billy Piper's voice cut through the darkness. Billy? Keeley, open your eyes. It's all right. Tentatively, Keeley opened her eyes, blinking as she was confronted by a dazzling bright light. Gradually, she got used to it and took in her surroundings. She was laying on a hard floor. Billy Piper was kneeling next to her, smiling. She was wearing a blue robe, adorned with a golden dragon in the center of it. Keeley propped herself up, everything around them, stretching as far as the eye could see, was just white. There seemed to be nothing else. No walls, no doorway, no discernible feature. It was just her and Billy. Am I dead? Keeley asked. No, Billy grinned. I mean, you died, but you're not dead. We did it. We got out. And it's all thanks to you. You are the bravest person I have ever met, Keeley. I'm so glad I didn't shoot you when I first met you. <laughs> That's amazing, said Keeley. But how can I die and then not be dead? You died as we were passing from one dimension to another, which meant that your life was caught between time and space, and so when I got back to my planet, I was able to bring you back, here, in the resurrection room. She indicated all the white space around them. Do you have any more questions? Uh, no, said Keeley. That'll do for me. Good, because it's really complicated, Billy said. So this means that you get to have a second chance at life, Keeley, because you can't go back to your old one back in, uh... Where are you from, exactly? Somewhere up north. Oh, right, yeah, because well, your accent is really non-specific and, well, it's a bit all over the place. Oh, right. What shall I do, then? Well, I'm going to need some help on my next adventure. And the one after that. And the one after that. This war is far from over. What, you mean like, be your assistant? Like in Doctor Who? Yeah, like in Doctor Who. And we'll go to loads of different planets in faraway galaxies. Loads. And will it be like the last adventure we just went on? Billy nodded. And more. Then fuck that. What? I thought you loved Doctor Who. I do. But it's a TV show. That were real, and there is no fucking way you get me to do anything like that ever again. Ever. I saw things, Billy, 
that will haunt me for the rest of my life. David Beckham bit my shoulder. I ran over Philip Schofield. Oh God, I feel sick. I mean, I died, Billy. I got stabbed and I died. I can't go through that again. It's insane. No, thank you. Billy looked in her friend's eyes and nodded. All right, but what are you going to do? Dunno, stay here. <laughs> you can't stay here, Keely. Why not? There's nothing here. I know, exactly. After what's just happened, it's brilliant. Now, come on, think about it. If you're going to go back down to Earth, you've got the chance to be reborn. Start afresh. You can be anyone you want. We've got that power. Why can't I go back as me? Because they'll kill you, Keely. And if I'm someone else, will I remember any of this? Billy shook her head. Will I remember you? No. Keely's shoulders slumped. But, but I'll remember you, said Billy, holding her friend's face. And I promise I will never, ever forget you and what you did for me. I love you, Keely. With tears streaming down her cheeks, Keely hugged her now best friend, Billy Piper. I know what it is, Billy Piper, who I want to go back to Earth as. Yeah, go on then. Tell me. Whatever you want. Kenshi Yamamoto sat in his yellow taxi, munching on a tuna sushi roll and sipping on a green tea. He was on his break and was in the same spot that he always came to get away from the busy Tokyo streets. On his phone screen, he watched a video of someone walking through London, at night in the rain. For as long as he could remember, he'd been fascinated by England and one day hoped to visit, maybe even try a sausage roll. He really wanted to go to Stonehenge. It looked magnificent. But apparently, after all those famous British people had been found murdered by it, they'd closed the whole thing down. That had been in the news for weeks, and celebrities were still vanishing. All over the world. The alarm on his phone went off. Break was over. Time to get back to work. He finished the sushi roll, gulped down the tea, and ended the video, then selected some music for the drive. He recently had started listening to a British pop star from the 90s. Billy Piper, her name was. Completely by chance, she'd popped up on his recommendations, and he'd been hooked ever since. As he drove through the Tokyo night, dreaming of being a taxi driver in London, he sang along, at the top of his voice. Why you gotta play that song so loud? Because we want to. Because we want to. Why do you always hang around in crowds? Because we want to. Because we want to. And there we have it. The epic adventure of Billy Piper Dimension Stepper has come to an end. If you made it this far, well done. That was quite the journey. 
Jasper's back with the Baba Ganoush, and it's time for his Bunga Bunga party, so I can't stay for much longer. Please follow me at the underscore piano underscore teeth. Why not check out the website at pianoteeth.co.uk? There you can look at my scribbles gallery, hear some more mutterings, and of course, donate to my bleach fund if you haven't already. And please, share me. Pass me round like syphilis at a Victorian orgy. I'm here for it. Please note that I have nothing against the celebrities mentioned in this insane rambling. Not all of them anyway. And besides, I never hide the fact that I'm mentally ill. And you've clearly got something going on for putting me in your head. What the fuck is wrong with you? Until next time, gorgeous creeps. Be well. Oh, and Billy, if you're there, don't worry. Your secret's safe with me. Keep doing what you're doing, babe. Bye!